used to be different people, you know. They were loud, people partying, or shouting at the TV, or at each other, sometimes singing, or just talking. Not everyone playing different music all the time. Like, I know what everyone likes to listen to in the morning, or after work, when they're happy, or when family comes over, or on rainy days, that kind of thing. I don't even know most people's names who live here anymore. Haven't in a while. I mean, who still knows their neighbors? But they don't feel like strangers. It's weird, you know? I don't know who they are, but I feel like I know them better than I know most people. If you're stuck at home all day, you start hearing patterns, rhythms. It's like the feeling you get before a storm breaks, that something is in the air or the sky goes green and you feel that something's about to happen. It's like that just with a person and what they're listening to. Like you know they're going through something just because there's a change in the music. I miss that. Everyone's always walking around with earphones. It's like I've been shut out. We all have. Do you remember sharing earphones with your best friend when you were in school? I love that. Felt like you were in on something no one else knew. I get now that's because we shut out everyone else. With music, it's strange. It was never meant to be just for you. That's where we've got to. It's so lonely when it's quiet. I mean, how am I supposed to know if I belong here? If there's nothing to listen to? Historically, people appear to have always been bothered by noise. Much more so than by sights or smells. There is little you can do to stop sounds. They have a way of making you aware of how opaque solidity really is. Noises pass through most materials rather easily. And they have a way of nestling themselves inside your head that can drive you crazy.
like a song that gets stuck in your head and you can't help but singing it inside your mind. Melody and rhythm and all over and over and over again. Or just any noise, really. People have been complaining about noise pretty much ever since they had the means of making their complaints heard. Over two and a half thousand years ago, the city of Sybaris in ancient Greece ordained all craftsmen whose work was loud, such as that of carpenters and blacksmiths, to work outside of the city walls so as not to disturb the residents within them. It's worth noting that they also banished roosters, which you will understand if you've ever lived in the countryside. The Romans were the first to regulate noise related to work and public spaces, such as marketplaces. These regulations are somewhat an anomaly, historically speaking, since laws concerning the regulation of public noise, such as that caused by traffic or certain work environments, for example, generally were not introduced again until the 1960s. Up until the 20th century, most measures for noise prevention did not focus on regulating noise, but on finding ways of shutting it out. As for example, the parish church of St. Mary Le Strand in London, construction of which finished in 1723 and which did not have windows on the ground level to keep traffic noise to a minimum. Or when Mary Walton filed her patent for reducing the noise of New York's elevated trains through embedding the tracks in boxes filled with sand and cotton in 1881. The list goes on. Suffice it to say, as soon as humans were faced with noise in daily life, they would attempt to reduce or eliminate it, whether through laws or noise-canceling headphones, doesn't really matter here. The thought behind it has remained the same what we wanted, what we always seem to have wanted, is silence. This is a world of silence.
Shasi Ishtar Kima Aliti Unambi Belet Ili Thabat Rigma Uru Uru Anathithi Luitoma Ashu Anaku Inapuhur Ili Akbu Lemuta Ki Akbi Inapuhur Ili Lemuta Ana Huluk Nishia Kabla Akbima Anakuma Ulada Nishuyama Kimari Luni Umala Tantama Ilushut Anunaki Bakul Titisha Ilu Ashmu Ashmu Ina Bikiti Ina Nurub Misati Bakuru Itisha Así como del fondo de la música brota una nota que mientras vibre crece y adelgaza hasta que en otra música enmudece brota del fondo del silencio otro silencio aguda torre, espada y sube y crece y nos suspende y mientras sube caen recuerdos, esperanzas, las pequeñas mentiras y las grandes. Y queremos gritar y en la garganta se desvanece el grito. Desembocamos al silencio en donde los silencios enmudecen. Desembocamos al silencio en donde los silencios enmudecen. Desembocamos al silencio en donde los silencios Where does the desire for silence come from? Or rather, the question is, do we desire silence or just the absence of noise? The thing is, only very few humans have ever heard anything approaching true silence, which currently measures in at minus 20.6 decibels and can only be heard in one particular room in Redmond, Washington. And yes, minus 20.6 decibels. Humans cannot hear anything below zero decibels. But that doesn't mean that there's no noise happening below this threshold. Comparable to how a dog whistle makes a sound whose pitch exceeds the humanly hearable. This is all to say, just because you can't hear it, doesn't mean it isn't there.
unless you've visited this room or others like it. They're called unechoic chambers. Unechoic because they are built to prevent any sound waves from reflecting off the walls. You will not have heard true silence or something resembling it. In fact, true silence is impossible to hear for human beings because, well, because human beings make noises themselves. And I don't mean noises in the sense of talking or walking around, but the noises humans make as mere organisms. It was after I got to Boston that I went into the anechoic chamber at Harvard University. Anybody who knows me knows this story. I am constantly telling it. Anyway, in that silent room I heard two sounds, one high and one low. Afterward, I asked the engineer in charge why, if the room was so silent, I had heard two sounds. He said, describe them. I did. He said, the high one was your nervous system in operation. The low one was your blood in circulation. This is how John Cage, you know, the composer who made a career out of carefully crafted silences, described his experience with the almost complete absence of sound. Even though the engineer's alleged claim about the audibility of the nervous system has been debunked by now. The fact remains that in a room in which everything outside of your body makes a sound below zero decibels, the sound of your blood and your lungs and even your joints all the low-frequency sounds human brains have evolved not to hear become audible to you. In this world of silence, you become the noise. This might be the reason why most people report not being able to spend more than a few minutes in an unechoic chamber. In there, you become the center of the world because nothing resonates and nothing is reflected. In the absence 
of an acoustic mirror. You are forced to realize what a chaotic, cacophonous mess you truly are. Einmal war ich in Bollingen, als der erste Turm gerade fertig gebaut war. Es war im Winter 1923-24. So viel ich mich erinnern kann, lag kein Schnee. Es muss wohl schon im Vorfrühling gewesen sein. Ich war allein, vielleicht eine Woche lang, vielleicht etwas länger. Es herrschte eine unbeschreibliche Stille. Noch nie hatte ich sie so intensiv erlebt. Eines Abends, ich kann mich noch genau erinnern, saß ich am Kaminfeuer und hatte einen großen Kessel aufgesetzt, um mir heißes Wasser zu machen zum Abwaschen. Dann begann das Wasser zu sieden und der Kessel fing an zu singen. Es klang wie viele Stimmen oder wie Streichinstrumente. Und es tönte wie ein vielstimmiges Orchester. Wie ganz polyphone Musik, die ich ja nicht leiden kann, die mir nun aber doch eigentümlich interessant erschien. Es war nämlich so, als ob sich ein Orchester innerhalb des Turmes befände und ein anderes draußen. Bald herrschte das eine, bald das andere vor, als gäben sie sich gegenseitig Antwort. Ich saß und lauschte fasziniert. Weit über eine Stunde hörte ich dem Konzert zu, dieser zauberhaften Naturmelodie. Es war eine leise Musik mit allen Disharmonien der Natur. Und das war richtig, denn die Natur ist nicht nur harmonisch, sondern auch furchtbar gegensätzlich und chaotisch. So war auch die Musik. Ein Strömen von Klängen, wie die Natur des Wassers und des Windes, so wundersam, dass man es überhaupt nicht beschreiben kann. For all this talk about how dreadful true silence really would be, a little less noise would be nice. Because constant noise can be devastating. Think of tinnitus. Or the hum. Wait. You haven't heard of the hum? Let me explain. The hum, with a capital H, is a low-pitched, intermittent sound that has been heard by people all over the world. And it seems to be particularly bad in certain places, such as in Bristol, in England, or in Taos, New Mexico 
or in Bondi in Sydney and Auckland, New Zealand. Those who hear it suffer from it. They report irritation, headaches, sleep deprivation and a host of other ailments. The most common description of the hum is of a sound of a diesel engine idling in the distance. It has only been recorded once and that recording has to be amplified in order for it to become audible to the average person. The hum is a strange phenomenon because it has been established that it must be an internal noise. That is to say, this is the hypothesis since a source has never been located for any hum anywhere in the world. In spite of the fact that estimates of those who can hear it run as high as 4% of the global population. Responses to the public discussion of the hum have always been numerous and fervent. It doesn't help that there are a number of conspiracy theorists who attribute the source to anything from military low-frequency radio experiments to aliens and to the international dubstep conspiracy. Whether the hum exists or is a case of collective schizophrenia, the idea of a disturbing sound originating inside of us tells us something important. Much like complete silence, constant noise is both the thing that drives us crazy and the thing that saves us from having to confront the utter isolation that turns our lives into existences. It's noise that allows us to look for something outside of ourselves, our reflections, and lets us know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that no matter how solid the world, we remain porous. The good news is that there always will be noise to help us orient ourselves in the world and to help us seek a place a little more quiet. The bad news is it's only going to get louder. In 1967, a UNESCO study suggested that technological advances would raise average city noise by one decibel per year. And even though these days technological advances include technologies that make things less loud, the fact remains 
that it is us, just us, that produce all this sound. And like when we find ourselves in an unechoic chamber, or hear the hum, we need to ask ourselves the question, see Murray Schaefer, the man behind the World Soundscape Project, asked himself in 1970. But because we cannot truly ask ourselves, because it's too loud here, and because I cannot ask it for you, it will be done by robots. Man is the predominant maker of sounds in the modern world, the chief composer of the world soundscape and symphony. Will his composition be distinguished for its elegance and beauty or for its lousy orchestration? This episode of World of Noise could not have been made without the help of our friends. We thank Celeste Gubb for her whispering, Nancy Hahn for reading and helping us understand the Akkadian, which is the bit that sounds like magic. We thank Philip Zimmermann for performing Silencio by Octavio Paz. We are indebted to Michael Studer and Daniel Buser for performing and recording the passage from C.G. Jung. We thank Don Silenz for taking on the role of John Cage. Finally, we want to thank Julia Bachmann and all the members of the choirs Molto Cantabile and Burger for allowing us to use parts of their performance of Thomas Jennefeld's Villa Rosa Saribaldi, which you are hearing in the background. 
world of noise is growing.